Good morning. Peace be with you. I want to keep our uh, messages brief this morning. I'm sure that doesn't come as a, as a disappointment to any of you. Because we have a wonderful program put on this morning through the efforts of many, many hands. And um, I know you're going to uh, enjoy that. Special thanks to uh, Laurel and John Jones. Thank you very much. And to Miss Liz and to all the choir that has uh, put together uh, uh, this wonderful cantata this morning that you're going to get to enjoy. Also going to mean that uh, I won't be preaching all that long either, so I'm sure that's a disappointment too. You're fired. Okay. <laughs> Tim says, yay. Just real briefly, though, I want to um, bring to your attention out in the uh, sacristy are some boxes uh, for gifts. There's also uh, envelopes out there for offerings. There is a very important list out there, which is the tamale orders. So please make sure you go by that. And the last but not least is that we do have a Christmas Eve service. And that is going to be at 6 p.m. So it's not all that Eve, Eve, right? So you brought your Marines today. <laughs> welcome, welcome. So without further ado, let us get up and sing as unto the Lord. Our opening hymn is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and we'll have the lighting of the wreath.
We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins Let us confess our sins to God, our Father, most merciful God. We confess that. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as you are called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come and help us by your might, that the sins which weigh us down may be quickly lifted by your grace and mercy. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading this morning is from Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5a. And this can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1445. Michael 5, verse 2 through 5a. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace when the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses. We will raise against them seven shepherds, even eight commanders. Now we will read responsively Psalm 80, 1 through 7, and this is printed in your bulletin. Psalm 80, 1 through 7. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sat enthroned between the cherubim shine forth. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. Restore us, Almighty God. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. The third reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. And this can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1873. 
Hebrews 10, 5 through 10. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 56, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1588. At the time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is this child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will be called or will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he had promised our ancestors. Now Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Last week I asked if you're ready for Christmas yet. This week I'm going to ask and make a declarative here. Today is the last Sunday before Christmas. Are you getting excited? Yeah? Oh, David is. All right. We got some little guys over there. That's a pretty exciting time. I want you to think for a moment. Of course, opening presents is exciting. Right, David? Yeah. But besides that, what are some of the family traditions that are in your mind right now? Or, or, or visit, pull that file out and just take a look at it. What are some of the family traditions that you had growing up, assuming that you are grown up? What do you do now? Can you think of those? Do they bring a smile? It involves family, doesn't it? In my memory, and I'm no longer young, but I'm certainly not old, but in my memory, it always involved family. It always involved either going to my grandma and grandpa's ranch in Northern California or heading over the bridge into San Rafael to see my aunt and uncle, or they would come to our house in a little town called Moraga. We were not a small family. At any one gathering, there would be at least 25 people. And I did the math a long time ago, and, and, and were we all to get together today, I'd still be at the kids' table. But we had a great time at the kids' table. How about you? Some of the things that we did, visiting with my cousins, playing games, card games, uh, it was just, it was wonderful. Family. And it's appropriate that we have this in our, in our reading this morning from the gospel, a visual of family. We see that Mary, after being told by the angel Gabriel that she was going to have a baby and that she was going to name him Jesus, it's an awful lot for a young girl, a virgin who was promised in marriage. And the first thing she did was to get up and go to see her cousin, her relative Elizabeth, and to tell her the good news. And then in the illustration of the gospel, Elizabeth, who is also expecting a baby, we hear that she heard Mary's greeting and the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth, it says, was filled with the Holy Spirit. A couple things that that tells me. The Holy Spirit 
has always been and will always be. And the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and upon Elizabeth. And the Holy Spirit, by default, came upon John, Elizabeth's son, John the Baptist, a man born of woman, none greater, Jesus said. The man who baptized Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That tells me that, yes, the Holy Spirit can come upon a little baby, and little babies can have faith. More on that later. Elizabeth gave a glad cry. She was happy. And so we see through this gospel that the beginning of the Christmas story was an event that was shared with family. I'm assuming and hoping that you are spending time with family and friends, those you love the most, to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I pray that this would be a time that would be uh, filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit first, but if there's other spirits, that's okay. We're Lutherans, and we can do that. But pointing to Jesus, the reason for the season, may that be always in the forefront of our minds as we celebrate together. Give thanks for the family that God has given you. These are truly good times. These are truly good times. I want to leave you with three points on this sermon. The first point is that out of low places came the most high. Jesus came from humble beginnings, born in humbleness into a food trough, right? He was laid in a a well, the manger is what they call it, but he was where the, where the animals are eating from. Why? Why would God send his beloved into that? Well, I should think it's because it lends more credibility. It lends itself to more relatability. One who came from humbleness, humility, meager mild, tender, we can relate to that. If he'd been born in a palace with a golden spoon or the silver spoon or whatever, would we be able to relate to him? I couldn't. We might think that that was the prerequisite. You had to come from wealth in order to be saved, but no, he came out of a low place. The other thing it makes me think is that this world needs to humble up. Second point. We have been made holy through Jesus. This is the part where I tell you what Jesus has done for you. We know that at this season that Jesus, sometimes you'll hear, Jesus came to die. He was born to die. And yes, that's partially accurate. He came to rescue you and me. He came to point you and I to the Father. 
He came to pay a bill that we could not pay. Prior to Jesus in the Old Testament, we know that the law required a blood sacrifice of an animal. And it only lasted so long. And then they had to do it again. I said to you before, you think the services are long now? If I had to sprinkle some blood, you guys, it would take a lot longer than it does an hour and minutes. But, the, but that, that, that animal, nobody asked him, hey, is it cool if, you know, you sacrifice your life for the sins of everybody, you know? No, they didn't ask it. It wasn't willing. And it had to be done over and over. Jesus was not only willing, but he was able. He was a king, is the king. He is the priest, the last of the priests. A priest without sin. You see, there's the big difference between the priest and me and you and making sacrifices. We're still sinners, so we are sacrificing for our own sins. Jesus sacrificed, and he had no sin. He was the last priest. And he said it was okay, or as I said, cool, to take your place on that cross pay a bill that you and I could never pay on our own. The other part of what he did was it was acceptable to the, to the Father, to God the Father. Yes, this is a righteous, righteous fulfillment of my law. Because God can't look on sin, right? He can't be in the presence of sin, right? So through his son, his son who was without sin, we hear over and over and over again, but it matters. He says, he became sin for us. All the sin of the world came upon him in that horrible moment when he cried out, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? God had to turn his back from his son because he couldn't look upon that sin We know how else it went. That eventually he submitted to death. He was born to die. Willingly. Not spitting insults to those that insulted him. Not taking retaliation. He went and he fulfilled his purpose. He was born to die. But we also know that on the third day, he was resurrected. And therefore, death has no sting. The price was paid. We have been given his holiness by what he did once and for all by the offering that Jesus gave us. Once and for all. That's what he did for you. Okay. Kind of a downer for Christmas, you know, talking about him being nailed on the cross, dying and all that stuff. But that's what he did for you and me, and you and I needed it more than we need air to breathe or food to eat. And the other part, the last part, third point, 
Because he didn't just do it and just like, now he's like hanging out in heaven and going, yeah, Dad, boy, they are awful. He's not watching passively. He's here. The Holy Spirit is in you. Jesus is present in this place right now. He walks with you wherever you go. He has covered you in his grace, in his righteousness. Hey, pastor, why do you wear a dress? Whoa, there's quite a segue. Well, let me tell you, it's not a dress, (laughs) but it's white, and it signifies, symbolizes that I am covered in Christ's righteousness. Underneath here, I got a black shirt on that indicates to all who see, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior just like you. But just like you, when I was baptized in the water, I died, as Paul says, a death like Jesus. And I rose out of that water in a resurrection like Jesus. And from that day on, the Holy Spirit resides in me and in you. And therefore, there is no more condemnation. Though the devil will say, hey, Ken, remember in the fifth grade? Let's not go any further than that. The devil may be pointing at you during this time, even with family. Hey, if they only knew, and this is what you say. Oh, you know my past, devil? I know your future. And it's down there. My future has been secured in my baptism. And by what my Savior did on that cross for me. In the name of Jesus, amen. Catholic layman in Lancashire who fled to France with many other Catholics. In 1743, John Wade, age 32, produced a copy of a Latin Christmas carol beginning with the phrase, Adeste Fidelis Laeti Triumphantes. At first, many believed that he had found an ancient hymn by an unknown author. However, most scholars now believe Wade himself composed the lyrics. Catholics eventually returned to Britain, carried Wade's Christmas carol with them. One day, an Anglican minister named the Reverend Frederick Oakley came across Wade's carol. Being deeply moved, he translated it into English. His first translation, Ye faithful approach ye, was awkward. Several years later, Oakley, now a Roman Catholic priest, attempted to translate John Wade's hymn once again. He repeated the Latin phrase, Adeste fidelis laite triumphantes, over and over again. He finally came up with the simpler and more powerful, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Two brave Englishmen, Catholics, lover of Christmas and lover of hymns, living a hundred years apart, writing in two different nations, 
combined their talents to bid us come, joyful and triumphant, and adore him, born the king of the angels. Oh, hear what I hear. In Isaiah, it is written, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. The nation of Israel had never known a worse time. Under David, a God-fearing king, Israel had been a local superpower. Now their nation barely existed. Where had it all gone wrong? The Old Testament prophets weren't slow in telling them. The people had been proud, neglecting their Lord and worshiping other gods. God had turned away from them. O come, O come, Emmanuel, is written from the point of view of the exiles longing for God to be with them again. It is a 19th century translation by John Mason Neal of a 12th century Latin text, Veni, Veni, Emmanuel. The mournful longing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, arises from the absolute assurance that the people would be redeemed, but not quickly. There was a lesson first to be learned. The same is true for us today. We can feel so alone, but the wonder of his love means he will always come back and always be with us if we ask him to. Please, listen to Isaiah and hear what I'm hearing. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child 
and will give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. James Montgomery was a gentleman, but he didn't shirk from criticizing the status quo if he thought there was a better way. He believed that most hymn writers, writers started out with a good idea, but wandered off losing sight of their original intention. Montgomery, however, found a powerful theme and stuck with it. The idea that God would come to earth through Jesus Christ struck him as an awesome one, well worth rejoicing over. James Montgomery was an orphan who became a newspaper owner. He was in chains more than once when battling for causes that bettered the plight of the ordinary man and woman. His earthly, his earthly reward from his reforms, his poetry and hymns, would eventually come in the form of a royal pension. Asked which of his works would survive him, he replied, none, sir, nothing except perhaps a few of my hymns. Angels from the realms of glory is still sung all across the English-speaking world, more than a century and ha a half after his death. The day after completing his 400th hymn at the age of 83, he went to his real home, his heavenly home, with his heavenly family. The angels were most certainly rejoicing when he arrived. Did you hear what I just heard? In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This wonderful hymn was written by none other than Martin Luther. By now, he had not only posted his 95 theses on the church doors, but he had married a former nun, Katharina von Bora. He was quite proud of himself when Katharina informed him she was pregnant. He cheerfully announced that his Katharina was fulfilling Genesis 1, verse 28, the verse about being fruitful and multiplying. He also bragged to his friends that there was about to be born a child of a monk and a nun. Martin enjoyed being a husband and a father. Music was a large part of their household, and singing about the birth of God's own son would fulfill their young lives in ways they would long remember. From heaven above to earth I come was written for his young son, Hans, and his very young daughter, Magdalena. As you sing the verses, try to imagine being right there in front of a fire in their family room. Martin is playing the lute and singing verse after verse, telling of Jesus' birth. See if you can hear what his children were hearing. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. As children, this next carol is probably the very first one we learned. And as children, we always sang it for the annual Christmas Sunday School program. We didn't pay too much attention to the actual notes. Instead, we just shouted out the words as loudly as we could. It didn't matter to us who wrote the words or composed the music either. But as small as we were, the Christmas story came to life in the verses of this cradle hymn. No one knows who wrote the first two verses, although Christians who knew Martin Luther, the great German reformer, wanted to give him the credit. Most people could see him singing those verses over the cradle of his small son, Hans. In 1887, Away in a Manger appeared in a book of songs entitled Dainty Songs for Little Lads and Lasses. The songbook was compiled by James R. Murray 
and a notation beneath the carol said, Luther's Cradle Hymn, composed by Martin Luther for his children and still sung by German mothers to their little ones. Only stanzas one and two were given. In 1945, Richard Hill published an article on this carol, noting that the first two stanzas had appeared in a songbook published in 1885 by German Lutherans in Pennsylvania. No authorship was given. Hill had done extensive research and could find no appearance of the carol in German church history or in Luther's works. The mystery endures, who wrote Away in a Manger? An unknown German Lutheran in Pennsylvania wrote the first two stanzas, with another unknown author adding a third verse, which first appeared in an 1892 songbook published by Charles H. Gabriel. Hearing that, do you think it really matters? Through this carol, generations of children around the world know and love the little Jesus who was once a child, needing care just as they do. Way in a Manger is a lullaby to the Lord and to the world. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. William Chatterton Dix wasn't doing very well. He was 29, far from home, and he had been ill for months. 
His position as a Glasgow maritime insurance clerk must have been in jeopardy. He had every right to be depressed, and he was. Even so, he kept his mind on better things. While confined to bed, Dix wrote several poems that would become hymns. We still sing a century and a half later. For example, What Child Is This? was composed in 1865 and appeared in Christmas Carols New and Old six years later. By then, it had been associated with the melody Green Sleeves. The carol begins with a question. What child is this? However, there is no uncertainty in Dick's answer. This, this, he replies, is Christ the King. Hearing those words, each of us should rush to praise him. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. Until Isaac Watts came along, most of the singing in British churches was from the psalm of David. The church, especially the Church of Scotland, had labored over the psalms with great effort and scholarship, 
translating them into poems with rhyme and rhythm suitable for singing. As a young man in Southampton, Isaac became very dissatisfied with the quality of singing. He thought the limitations of singing only these psalms were at fault. So he invented the English hymn. In 1719, Isaac Watts published a unique hymnal, one in which he translated, interpreted, and paraphrased the Old Testament psalms through the eyes of New Testament faith. He called the hymnal the Psalms of David imitated in the language of the New Testament. His process involved studying the Psalms from the perspective of Jesus and the New Testament and then forming them into verses for singing, quoting Mr. Watts. I have expressed myself, as I may suppose David would have done if he had lived in the days of Christianity. By this means, perhaps, I have sometimes hit upon the true intent of the Spirit of God in those verses, farther and clearer than David himself could ever discover. Thomas Bradbury was his arch enemy. He called Watts' hymns whims and accused Watts of thinking he was King David. Of course, letters flew back and forth defending and accusing. Joy to the world is Isaac Watts' interpretation of Psalm 98. He knew the real reason for shouting joyfully to the Lord was that the Messiah had come to redeem us. The result of his pondering Psalm 98 in the light of the New Testament writings has been a timeless carol that has brightened our Christmases for nearly 300 years. Do you hear what I hear? I think you do now. Please join the choir in singing verses two and four, song number 39 in your hymnal. and wonders of his love. Christmas is the time of year which finds many of us reading the Bible. 
We find a quiet moment when we first get up or just before we turn the lights out to read. And what do we read? We read the Christmas story. Why are we doing that when we've heard the Christmas story over and over and over again? What are we looking for? A respite from the hustle and bustle of the past year? A peace as we plan our own Christmas celebration? Perhaps it's something God is saying to us, perhaps to me alone. Do we listen to the Christmas story? Have we heard the Christmas story? Simply put, Martin Luther called the Bible the swaddling clothes in which Jesus is laid. It is written in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. Thank you, everybody. What a beautiful gift. Thank you very much. One more time.
it's uh, rather easy to find Christmas cantatas. They come in books that are about so thick and they last about three quarters of an hour <laughs> and have to be tuned for choirs that may not have our skills. Uh, Liz reached out to John and Laurel hoping to find some new production <laughs> that uh, we could sing for you this morning and they obliged and we are, we are so lucky to have these two people with us. So here's a small token from the choir from you two. Thank you so Thank much. You. And of course, we are so fortunate to have Liz, who takes care of us every week. And with the cantata, as with our other uh, anthems that we sing for you, she has to match the anthems to our skill levels, and she does that very well. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, guys. Will you please stand? Let us now confess our faith together with the words of the Nicene Creed, which is found on well, one, two, three, four of your bulletin, page four of your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people in accordance to their needs. Almighty God, 
We praise you that by your Holy Spirit, Elizabeth greeted Mary as the mother of my Lord, while the unborn John leaped with joy in the presence of your son in Mary's womb. Increase in us your spirit that our faith may bear fruit in abundance. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we praise you that from your conception, you prepared prophets to proclaim your truth. And even so, we pray that you would prepare servants of the word today to preach your saving gospel with faithfulness and power. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we praise you that by your kind providence, you create new life. Preserve all pregnant women and the children in their wombs. Bring to repentance all who would take the lives of the unborn and foster the work of crisis pregnancy centers and others who aid and encourage women to keep their babies. Remember in your mercy all who serve in public office in our land, granting them wisdom, courage, and integrity. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we praise you that you are father to the fatherless and that you provide for the poor when all others have forgotten them. Graciously watch over the hungry, the poor, and the unemployed. Move us to serve you in showing mercy to all those in need, near and far. Comfort the grieving, heal the sick, and grant faith to the dying. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we praise you that you feed those who hunger and thirst for righteousness with the body and blood of your dear Son. By your Holy Spirit, prepare us again to receive his sacrament in true faith for the forgiveness of sins and the strength for your service to you and to one another. Lord, in your mercy. Now into your hands we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We're going to, I'm going to have you sit. Please be seated. Um, normally this would be a time where we share the peace with each other, but let's do that after our service and, uh, uh, and share that peace. At this time, um, we will take up the offering and Liz will be praying for us. Will you please stand? Please pray with me. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. For your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all body and soul. For the sake of Jesus, we give yourself to us. 
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and ever-living God. You You comforted your people with the promise of the Redeemer, through whom you will also make all things new in the day when he comes again to judge the world in righteousness. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we join them in their unending hymn. Holy, the night in which our Lord and Savior Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. One more thing that Jesus has done for us, one more thing where Jesus is present at this table, in, on, above, and all around these simple elements that make up the sacrament of the altar. It is prepared for those who believe, for those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior. I heard every one of you do it. So come, the table is prepared. You may be seated and the ushers will bring you forward.
to you. May the Lord look upon you favor and give you his perfect peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending hymn is the first Noel on page 56. <laughs> 